This is the Mormon Mixed Faith Marriage Podcast, episode number 104. Now in the podcast, I have a special treat for you. Three of us, um, two colleagues of mine and myself, Chris Rich and Suzette Halterman, are going to be doing a series on mixed faith marriages. And we're gonna be combining all of our experience, both clinically, professionally, and in a mixed faith marriage. And we're gonna be sharing it with you in this discussion format. I think you're gonna find this really valuable. And um, we're gonna to cover topics that are both broad and specific. So stay tuned. And here's the first one to enjoy on. Sorry, my printer's. Hi, welcome to the Mixed Faith Marriage Mastermind, where we're gonna introduce ourselves. We have three, I like to say, experts in this field where we're gonna talk about all things dealing with a mixed faith marriage, from like connection and codependency all the way to substance use and family reunions. We're gonna cover the gamut in a series of these calls, webinars, conversations, podcasts, however you wanna call them. And we're really looking forward to diving into mixed faith marriage and all of the different topics, issues, concerns surrounding that. Okay, we're gonna take a minute and each introduce ourselves. Uh, Chris, Rich, why don't you start? I'd be happy to. So I am Chris Rich. I am an active believing member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, I have been in a mixed faith relationship for about two decades now. So most of my, most of my marriage. My husband and my three kids are all out of the church. They have no interest in religion at all. And although we're not on the same page with religion and a bunch of other things as well, um, we have a lot of love and respect and authenticity. We have connection and a lot of peace in our family. Definitely not perfect, but it's um, we've learned to navigate a lot of those hard things. Also, just we're able to have like open conversations with each other that are um, just connecting and vulnerable. And I am a certified life coach. I was certified through the life coach school and I help members of the church that are looking to make their mixed faith relationships, not just work, but to thrive and be amazing. So that's me. Hey, Suzette, why don't you tell us about yourselves? Yeah, I'm Suzette Halterman. Um, I work, I, my training is to work specifically with couples. I love working with couples and all the stuff that that entails. Um, and my personal story is I'm kind of a mixture. I am a non-believing person, but I still am a member and I find personal value in attending. Uh, my husband is believing, so we're in a mixed faith marriage. And we're, my kids range from ages uh, eight to 14. And we're in the middle of our experiment of raising our kids with this combination of, um, you know, there's some things we value in the church and there's some other aspects that I don't feel comfortable with and how do we make this work? And so we're kind of in the active process of navigating that. Uh, and we can do it great as a, as a couple um, and trying to translate that into how we raise our kids with this, these compromises and um, involving a lot of choice. It's, it's an experiment. So uh, yeah, that's me. Thank you. Okay. I'll tell about myself. So my name is Brooke Booth and I feel like we have like the trifecta here. I am post-Mormon. I do not attend church. I haven't gone to church in 
years. <laughs> it's probably, I want, I was just thinking about the dates. It was pre-COVID. I want to say it's maybe 2018 was the last time I attended church. And I did sort of a cold turkey done with church. Um, I have four kids as well. Mine are a little bit older than Suzette's. My oldest is in college. And then my youngest is nine. And he's the one who attends church very faithfully with my husband, who's also active and believing. Um, I've been a life coach for a few years now working with this population. And I work with a lot of individuals, but I also work with couples sometimes. And a lot of the work I do with my clients is unpacking faith transitions and working through creating a foundation for a mixed faith marriage that they can take with them and continue to build a relationship that they both feel seen, heard, valued, and honored in. And in my own relationship, um, that's exactly what we're doing. Like that is exactly the work we're also practicing is learning how to be in relation to each other when we don't really agree on some things that, you know, religion, politics, and other things, we just don't agree. But learning how to still be in relation, in love, kind, considerate, and all of that. Okay, what our topic today is that we're going to dive into as much as we can in the time we have, it's connection. And I want Suzette to share a quote that she shared with Chris and I about connection. And then we're going to ask a series of questions and we're just going to talk about it and discuss. So this is just the type of thing I like is a conversation with smart people and things and bringing our professional experience and our personal experience to the table and really diving in. So Suzette, share this quote. This is Brene Brown, who I think um, is brilliant in this particular arena. Yeah, I was just listening to one of her books the other day and she said this and I was like, ah, oh, that's like the best definition of connection I've heard. Um, so she says, I define connection as the energy that exists between people when they feel seen, heard and valued, when they can give and receive without judgment and when they can derive sustenance and strength from the relationship. So I just really love that, like being when you feel seen, heard and heard and valued and when you can give and receive without judgment. Um that was a beautiful synopsis of what connection is all about. Yeah, I think we'll have threads of that probably come up in our discussion. Mm -hmm. Let's start with this like broad basic question. What is connection? We're hearing Brene Brown's definition. I think we could probably add and like mold it out some more, but do either of you want to start with like how you see connection, what it is? I'm happy to give my thoughts. Um, as a, as a coach, I believe that our, our emotions are created from our, from our thoughts. And we have this, so often we have this idea that we will be connected if we have things in common or if we're spending time together, if we're on the same page about something. And, um, that works when, when things are going well and it's like, oh, this is great. We're being connected where we're feeling this connection, but I've learned that connection is more than that. So I want to give you an example. So my mom, she passed away 25 years ago. So I have not talked to her. We have not gone to lunch. We haven't done anything for 25 years, but I feel this amazing connection with her and she's not even here. And 
you know, I, I, another example, like some, I have a mentor, a coaching mentor that I just adore. She's my favorite human ever. And I feel like she's my best friend. She has no idea who I am, but I feel this connection. So I think that's one of the, um, one of the big things is just our connection that has so much to do with the way we think about people. And the, you know, so if we're thinking, if we want to have more connection with people, we want to look at how we're thinking about them. Like if I'm, I've had, I've had all sorts of thoughts where I didn't feel very connected to my husband or to my kids. I forgot to mention my kids are 14, 19 and 21. And when I've got thoughts, like we have nothing in common or they're doing it wrong, or they've ruined my life, or they think I but, or, you know, like we get all these different thoughts about our situation that we're in and those thoughts are what create our connection or not. So those are some couple of my thoughts. So I'll piggyback on that. And then Suzette, I'd love to hear from you. So like, when I think of like, what is connection? Like, I'm like, our training is similar, Chris, I know. So I'm like, okay, it's a feeling. I know it's a feeling. And so like the, for me, this means I don't have to wait for my spouse to say the right thing or do the right thing in order for me to experience it. Like, I don't want my ability to feel connected to him to be held hostage to like his ability to show up perfectly. And, but this is an idea I really, really struggled with. Like I, for a long time in my marriage, I really thought my ability to feel connected was tied to his behavior you know, tied to our agreement, tied to sameness. And what it meant is like, I had to get him to to behave. And when I was trying to get him to behave, I wasn't accepting who he is. I wasn't getting curious about him and why he was doing things or making certain decisions. I certainly wasn't looking at my own thoughts. Like you were talking about Chris and and taking some like responsibility and ownership for some of the disconnection I was, was experiencing. And like, if he wasn't like giving me the things that made it really easy for me to be connected, I blamed him for that. And I'll make a note here is like, sometimes it's good judgment not to feel connected to somebody. Like this isn't always something we have to do, want to do, should do. Like this is like where we exercise our judgment. But for me, I found that a lot of the times I wasn't feeling connected was kind of because of my own stories and my own repeat patterns of thought that were stopping me from actually seeing where connection was happening and being able to enjoy it. Like I have this classic thought of he doesn't approve of me. And that would create so much disconnection for me instead of another thought, which is totally true as well. Like he adores me, like they're both true, but I would focus a lot of my time on attention on he doesn't approve of me. Then I would feel disconnected and it didn't feel good. I wasn't showing up well. And so help me to like back that up and start taking some ownership for the connection. And there's, there's his part to play here too, but that was a really helpful place for me to begin. Suzette, do you want to add anything? Yeah, I just think connection is such a broad term. It's like happiness. Like, oh, I'm happy. But you can like break that down into so many other things. Like I'm stress-free. I'm content. I'm like joyful. I think connection is the same way. We use this word connection to describe this like feeling that we get. 
but really it's quite nuanced. Like maybe the feeling is safety, like safety can feel like connection. Validation can feel like connection, being valued, um, being seen like vulnerability. So sometimes I think breaking it down into like, what do I actually feel when I'm actually feeling with this person? Like, I know I feel some sort of connection, but what I'm really feeling right now is like safety to be myself. Or what I'm really feeling from you is like that you see me. So I'm feeling like vulnerable. So I don't know. I think, I think uh, sometimes it's helpful to really break it down into what, what part of connection am I not feeling or am I wanting to feel, or am I feeling, um, I just giving more language to it can be helpful for, but for the purpose of this discussion, we're just going to call all of that connection. But I think it's really is like this feeling of like safety. Like I can be myself. And when, when we feel safe, we just feel like, like we relax, we feel open. Um, yeah. So those are my thoughts. That's such an important point that like when we talk about connection, everybody probably has a different definition of what that even means. And I think it yeah, can be depending on the person or the moment, right? It's all, it's going to be different. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, so often I, I probably said this before, I think we equate connection with sameness, mm -hmm. with being on the same page, having the same beliefs and all that. And which sometimes it is, but but a lot of times it doesn't have to be. So let's talk about how to, how to connect, like how do we create that connection? And, and I think part of that answer that we, we're going to sort of discuss probably ties into what we're just saying. Like it probably depends a lot on what you even mean by that and how you define it. Like, are we talking about creating safety? Are we talk about creating a more judgment free environment? Are we talking about agreeing on something? Like it, it I think this can be part of what we weave in here, but let's, let's open this one up. Like, how do we start to create connection? How do we connect to our spouse? I have an example that I love. I've got, got these, uh, my son loved little Thomas, the tank engine trains. And in order for a magnet to connect, you got to do certain things. So not, you probably can't see this, but they're not connecting here. If I turn, if I do it a different way, they do connect. And with our relationships, we have those same things. If we, we want, there are certain things that are going to connect us and there are certain things that are not going to connect. And I think it's interesting. I think Suzette kind of mentioned this a little bit too, that there are, there are definitely emotions that we feel are things that we do that are going to create disconnection. Am I skipping? Am I doing this too early? You're fine. This okay. is an open mic. There's no order. <laughs> okay. Um, so a couple of the things that I know that I've experienced where I felt disconnected with my husband or my kids is self-pity. That's a big one. If I'm blaming them, um, feeling like a victim, that's a, when I'm, you know, it's tricky because when I went through this period where I really felt like all this had happened to me, this was his fault and their fault. And I felt like a huge victim. It's really hard to connect with a villain because if you're a victim, then you got to have a villain. And so that was a big, that was an emotion that really disconnected or some of my behaviors really disconnected us. Judgment, resentment, irritation, entitlement. Those are all ways where we disconnect. And on the other hand, there are a lot of 
emotions that are going to serve us better that um, like empathy, vulnerability, gratitude, authenticity, curiosity, compassion, love, acceptance, those are going to be places where we're going to notice that we're going to be able to connect easier than if we're doing those other ones that I mentioned earlier. And I'll, I'll jump in on that because I think a lot of the things you mentioned, like victim and villain and resentful, those are all like positions, not same as positions. And I think to connect, you really have to be same as I'm not looking down on you and I'm not beneath you. Like we are both humans. Um, I can think of like the times that I felt the most connection in my life. Like I have felt really equal to, to someone. Like when I was in an angry phase of like, uh, like patriarchy in the church and it impacted me, I suddenly felt connection to like women all over the world who are in systems of oppression. And I, it was like a moment of spiritual connection because I felt same as like women, all people all over the world deal with this or like times that I connect with my kids the most. It's not like a parent child dynamic. It's like, uh, like a human's like, uh, been there. I know what it feels like to feel vulnerable or shamed or like, you know, so just, um, I, I think that's a huge part of it is like just human to human. So anytime we get out of that, where it's like, my ways are better, my ways are wiser, my views are superior, like, boom, like we can't connect with people. We have to, I love Terry Real has a quote. He says, um, you have a rectum just like everyone else, right? Like we all have the same human experiences and we have to really bring ourselves level. Like we're just the same as and experiencing the same things and then we can connect. So I love what you're both saying so much because I see this like in the work I do, I definitely see this in my own relationship is I call it partnership, but really it's the same as like experiencing each other on an equal plane. A lot of times what we'll do is, We'll put our needs, wants, preferences below our spouse or above our spouse. Like there'll be some sort of power differential in wants, needs, and preferences and things. And that's a really hard place to find connection. Like I think Suzette's like making such a valuable point here. When we can really start to see our wants and needs as equal to theirs, like sometimes as women, that's the work to be done is mm-hmm. like putting our wants and needs and preferences equal with our spouse, equal with our kids. Like it really does open the door to connection. And I find what's tied in a lot with this is judgment. Like so often when we're judging somebody or we feel judged by them, it like knocks that equality piece off kilter. Like, like I know Suzette, you've had quite a bit of training with the Gottman Institute. One of the teachings that I really um, use a lot in my own practice is the idea of influence and how influence needs to be, you know, happening, like free flowing. I like to look at it as like a figure eight, like free flowing between the, the couple. And I think a lot of times what stops influence from free flowing is judgment. Okay. And And like, these are the things I think that like, when we're looking at how to create connection, Chris, you made this point earlier indirectly, but I think it's a really important point. I think a lot of times we need to look at what's stopping connection. It's, it's not so much how to build connection. I think a lot of times it's how to remove the things that are stopping connection from free flowing. And I think we've identified fair amount of things that stop that from free flowing. 
And I think once we can get like remove some of the roadblocks and that might be deconstructing some ideas and beliefs to help us remove those roadblocks, it just flows and like influence flows and connection flows and you don't need to be on the same page or whatever that may mean. I think one thing, I think one thing with that too is, so I shared that list of, of emotions that kind of disconnect us. And I think it's so important to let, to allow those emotions and to let them be there, to let yourself allow and process that resentment or that judgment, or when you are feeling like a victim. So I think that has been helpful for me is to connect with myself, to recognize like, okay, I am feeling this. I am feeling angry. I am feeling resentment or whatever it be and allow that emotion and let my, and work through that. I think that's one of the beauties of having a coach is they can help you to work through those emotions because they're there, we're humans. And as we can work through those emotions and connect with ourselves, then it's easier to go connect with someone else because you're not just stuffing those emotions down and pretending that everything's fine when it's not. Because it's that's a hard way to, when you are resisting your emotions of what's really going on for you, that is a hard way to connect with someone because we're lying. <laughs> What do you want to say, Suzette? Yeah, just that I think a lot of times we think connection should happen to us or for us. Like it's this automatic thing, but we have full control over whether connection happens or not. Because like like you've mentioned, it's are we being judgmental? Are we being critical? Are we opening up our, our perspective? Are we practicing empathy, like perspective taking? So I have found I can, can totally feel connected with my spouse without me ever speaking a word about my internal experience. And it, that doesn't mean relationships should always be that way. It's just the feeling connected for me is I want to take, uh, be empathetic about what it's like to be you in this moment. And I want to put myself in your shoes and like understand you. And when I do that, then I'm like, oh yeah, like I get what it's like to be you and why you think this and feel this. I feel connected to him. And I never, he never even, like I never even opened my mouth. So about like me, right? I felt connected because I was doing the work of removing the judgment and the criticism and the and I was putting myself in his shoes. So I think healthy relationships, both people are doing that, um, you know, maybe at different times. But I just think that when we think that connection is something that people do for us, I, I think that's not correct. It's something that we do uh, we do the work that allows us to connect with other people and hopefully they're doing the same for us. Uh, and when I can connect to my husband like that, he's totally able to then reciprocate for me because he feels safety with me. And then he can like put his defenses down and, and connect with me also. So somebody has to start the process of connection for it to happen. And I think that's where the rub, like that's where it's challenging for so many couples. It's like sometimes we play this game of chicken, like disconnection chicken. And we just wait for the other person to like make the first move, reach out the first bid, the first whatever. And, and so like questions of like self-introspection questions for me that are helpful are like, what's stopping me? Like, why am I holding back? And it might be that I need to process some emotions like Chris is saying. It might be that I just need to like exercise a little bit more like courage and bravery 
or grow up. Like sometimes humility, humility, right? Like we don't want to do that. It's like, you you hurt my feelings. I'm not going to be empathetic with you. Like that's vulnerable. And we become prideful and like, I do. I'm speaking for myself, right? I do that. I become prideful and I withhold my empathy intentionally. Like, I don't want to connect with you. Yeah, I get punitive is sort of my route. I'll be like, oh, you want to know what that feels like? I'll let you know what that feels like. Exactly. I think it's also good to remember that with our emotions, we are the one that feels it. So like connection is an emotion. When I'm feeling connected, even if the other person isn't, I get to feel that. And it feels amazing. That feels so good. And on the other hand, you know, if I'm holding a grudge or, or being judgmental or whatever it is, I feel that too. And it's, I think that's a really important thing for us to recognize. I'm the one that feels this and I get to, I get to choose how I want to feel in that, in these situations. Grudge holding. I just want to point that out. Like talk about a huge disconnector grudge holding. That's about control. Like if I can hold a grudge, I can control things. Um, So I think control is another huge disconnector. Grudge holding is part of that. Like, because uh, to to let go of control and grudges, that's like super vulnerable. Um, so yeah. not in struggling with being vulnerable, control, those are all big, big blocks to being able to connect. I like this. Okay, let's talk about how to create more of it. I think we have been, but I want to just like, let's just maybe some practical ideas of like, how can we create, like if we recognize a grudge or we recognize we're not being vulnerable or we recognize we're being punitive or we recognize that we're not processing emotion. Like what are some like practical ways that you've learned, you've seen with your clients on how to create more connection. And and I love it from this lens of like self-responsibility, like self-empowerment and not waiting for, you know, the spouse to say just the right thing first. I think one of the things that I have been working on myself, I, I heard this quote the other day, conflict is a doorway to connection. And I'm always like, ah, I just, I don't like conflict. I want to keep the peace. I want to avoid conflict at all costs. But I'm learning that when conflict is different than contention, we're not, I don't, I, we can have differences of opinion without having ill feelings. And, um, and I think it's for me, like, I don't want to rock the boat. So if we have this conflict, then it might rock the boat. But I love thinking, if you think about a boat, a boat is meant to be rocked. It's designed to go back and forth. And what's interesting, I've noticed when I avoid an external conflict, then I feel internally conflicted. So I'm not connecting with myself. So I think it's important to, to learn to, to go into conversations and be willing to have some conflict. Cause when we can tell each other this, if we can go into a conversation being vulnerable and saying, this is where I'm at and allow them to do the same thing when we have that conflict, it can actually bring us closer together. Cause that's where, you know, like Suzette was saying, that's where we can be empathetic and try to see things from their point of view and, um, 
I'm learning that conflict actually is connecting, which who would have thought? <laughs> no, I agree. I can just, I'm thinking of specifically like church topics or political issues where my husband and I like could easily just, you know, disconnect a lot. And, and we still do sometimes, but um, what I, what has been the most helpful for me, what I try to do is really just calm down my own reactivity, like actually breathe, like take some deep breaths, like hold myself together enough to just be curious. I think curiosity is the antithesis to all the things that can disconnect us. And I just try to think like, I wonder, I wonder why my husband feels so strongly about this. And like, not just logically, but like what experiences I've actually learned a ton about my husband through our faith differences, you know, we grew up in the same faith. So I thought the reason he believed certain things was the same reason I used to believe certain things, but turns out like he has very different experiences around some of these things. So curiosity, like just asking open-ended questions. If I can like manage the fire inside me enough to just like stay curious, then I find that we can usually connect whether it's over political differences or something. Cause I learned something and then I'm, then he makes sense to me. I'm like, Oh, like I, I get why for you, this matters. It doesn't matter to me, but for you, I get why it matters. Yeah. And then I can like feel connected to him. So for me, it's about totally about managing my own beast that, that can arise sometimes. I can definitely relate to that. Suzette. I find a lot of the work I need to be doing is like almost like somatic, like body work. Like mm -hmm. I need to be, this is something you'll get, Chris. I need to be actively processing emotion in order for me to hold space and to be curious and to be empathetic. I used to like, he would say something and I would see it as an, a perceived criticism and attack. And then I would immediately get defensive. That's just a lovely way to have a conversation. That is sarcastic <laughs> so I had to learn how to like I, I think of it like I this helped me like take it or leave it but it helped me to like see myself as like letting the emotions just like flow through me like water in a waterfall and just letting them flow through me instead of me getting triggered and activated and tied up in knots with them and I just had to like let them flow through me and oh, and then I could be curious and then I could be accepting I could practice the non-judgment and I could practice these things where like we could then actually have a conversation but that ability to be able to hear um, different viewpoints and not take it personally that takes practice takes practice yeah I think this is a good disclaimer for us to also add that we are humans like we all <laughs> we might understand this but I mean for just speaking for myself like I actually have to practice this is muscle building exercises that I have to practice daily and some days I do it awesome and some days I totally fail and some days my husband and I butt heads and I don't connect and I don't want to connect and some you know like we're all just human I can recognize it afterwards and like get myself back together and repair and connect connection through repair is another thing like when we mess up we can connect through saying I'm sorry like I totally got defensive I took it personally you know I think that's another another avenue um, of connection yeah I tell my clients all the time and this is with parenting or with your spouse like mm -hmm. the repair techniques and the repair efforts are just as valuable as doing it right in the first place it really is and so we're gonna screw up. Yes. Like I will raise my hand, Suzette. I am a 
like it's called practice. We're practicing for a reason. Like yes. we're practicing. We're perfectionists. We're practicing the practicing our coaching, practicing these tools, practicing like whether we can teach them, but practicing it is a very different um realm. And oh boy, it's it's a practice. And yeah, perfection is I think that's not part of this mortal experience using Mormon lingo. Okay, let's talk about Oh, Chris, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, um, I think the, the other day, my husband said something that I was like, are you kidding? I didn't say it, but I'm thinking, are you kidding me? That's, that's bonkers. Like it was just something that was so shocking to me. And, and after I thought about it and, and allowed myself to just to, to process those emotions, um, I think it's, well, I got coached and my coach was, had the question, do you ever say things that he would think is preposterous or bonkers? And I was like all the time. And it was, it helps me to be like, yeah, he says some crazy things just like I do. And just, I think that helps us to connect to that. We see things differently. I think the other thing I was going to say too, is I've had to learn to let my husband and my kids have their emotions too that we, you know, like we're, I think we want everyone to be happy and to feel connected and to have this perfect house. But I think one of the biggest blessings is just being like, okay, right now they are upset and it's totally okay that they're upset. I don't have to fix it. I just, I'm focusing on who I want to be and how I want to show up and it's okay to let them have their emotions and that we don't, I think just knowing it's okay. You don't have to be on the same page. It's kind of a gift. Okay, that's the perfect segue into the next question. Like how, what, like, what are the different types of connection? And it, like, we can talk about that. And then like how to go about doing that because so there's different types of connection. And I, and I think Suzette was talking about this earlier. Like it can mean different things for different people, but there are different types of connection. Like there's intellectual, there's spiritual, there's emotional, there's physical, like there's different types of connection. I know a lot of my clients, they, they're like, hey, Brooke, like, how do we connect spiritually is something I hear on the regular people like they feel like before the faith transition or before the mixed faith marriage, they connected spiritually and they feel like after that there's this gap or vacuum in spiritual connection, like what you're saying here, I think is important is like letting people be on the same page, but I want to discuss this idea more of like recognizing that there's different ways we do connect on different realms for different couples those different types of connections are have different value or different importance. So let's, let's talk about this. I think, I think for mixed faith couples, as soon as they feel disconnection in one area, they feel it in a lot of areas. So they might feel emotional disconnection because like I'm hurt. I feel betrayed or something. And that impacts physical connection intellectual connection. Like now I can't talk to you about what I experienced at church, or I just read this thing in the news and I'm furious about it. And I want to talk to you about it, but you're not going to get it. Right. So I think intellectual connection tends to really kind of flatline and emotional connection. And that can affect physical connection and spiritual connection. I think we have a confusion as to what that means. We tend, I think we conflate spiritual connection with religious connection. 
but I, I define spiritual connection as more about like, can we find some shared purpose and some shared values? And you can recreate that just because you don't have the same religious beliefs doesn't mean you can't still have some shared values of like, you know, love, making a difference in the world, kindness, you know, like, so I think it tends to be a domino effect. And I think if couples can like really kind of parse that out, well, where, where are we just struggling with spiritual disconnection? Is it in, you know, intellectual disconnection? Is it all kind of conflating into one? Uh, it can help couples kind of kind of separate that out a little bit and look differently at it. I love, oh, I keep cutting everyone off. I'm so sorry. You always have good things to say. I'll talk and then you go for it, Chris. One thing I see with connection is with these like different types of connection, the spiritual, the emotional, the intellectual is this is a really powerful time to practice the skill of tolerating discomfort because sometimes in order to connect we have to be able to tolerate their discomfort tolerate our own discomfort and I think this is what Chris was saying earlier is like sometimes they're going to feel a certain way about a certain something and if the more we can tolerate that without making it mean that we're mean or we're selfish or that we're a problem or that we've ruined things or that this is like now like a fundamental flaw in our marriage or whatever then we're able to like stay present in that conversation to hear to then share and to continue that like flow back and forth tolerating discomfort is i think a skill that is not celebrated is not willingly practiced and I get why because it's uncomfortable. <laughs> but like I, I think it's something that needs to be elevated as in importance and in like it's such a valuable thing to be able to tolerate our own discomfort and tolerate other people's discomfort without spinning into self-criticism or catastrophizing or things like this. And in able to do that, we have to be like okay with their emotional reactions or responses as well as our own we have to be able to be more open and practice acceptance and let people get to choose you know how they think about certain circumstances or how they're going to feel I, I think a lot of this because when we start talking about like emotional and intellectual and spiritual connection it's um like we want it all like we want to have it all and we think we need to have it all to have a great relationship. And I think sometimes we have some of it and sometimes we have more of it and sometimes we have less of it. And that's part of like tolerating the discomfort and that that's okay. We don't have to have all of it all of the time in order to give ourselves like I have a stable, good marriage. Yeah. Okay, Chris, what do you want to say? So one thing that's really helped me is to identify what, so looking at all, all those different ways of connecting, I kind of look at them as what I need. So I have my physical needs, my spiritual needs, my emotional needs, and I like to see myself as the general contractor of my needs that I'm going to make sure that for me, I do have this, you know, like my testimony, my faith, that's a huge part of who I am. And going back to this general contractor analogy, I am, my husband has no interest at all in religion. And so I'm not going to hire a painter 
to come in and do my HVAC. So I, I try to figure out how, what can I do to make sure that that spiritual need is met for me? And it would be fantastic if he was the one that I did these things with, but I make sure that I talk to, you know, like my church family, my, I've got different girlfriends that I know that I can talk to. If I want to go to the temple, that's not something, you know, that's not going to happen for him, but it's really important that I make it happen for me. So I figure out how to get my needs met through other. Sometimes I contract out to other people to help me fill that need, like a, my ward family, my, um, a friend, a ministering sister or something like that to make sure that I still have that spiritual need met. And once I feel like I have that need met, then I don't, I don't feel that, that loss as much to, and, you know, like making it be his job that he's the only one that can fill that need for me. I, I'm the general contractor. I make sure my needs get met. And there's so many things that he does a fantastic job of meeting that need in other areas. But that's just not that's that I I take care of that for me and the other in like the spiritual realm, if that makes sense. I totally agree with that. Esther Perel talks about this. She says, we expect our spouse to be everything for us, right? Our our intellectual partner and our, you know, intimate partner and our, you know, logistical support and everything. And that's a lot to put on other people. So I totally agree. We have to take personal responsibility. And sometimes, yes, like you might want intellectual intimacy or connection in your relationship, but that's like, that's my responsibility. So I have to be like, Hey, I, I read this article. I want to discuss it with you, but I have to really preface that ahead of time of, I don't want, this is more about me wanting to share what I'm thinking about and less about you having to like agree or get into a bait. I just want you to listen and know, like, this is what's on my mind. That is intellectual intimacy, right? It's not it's not, we have to debate back and forth and come to the same page. It's, I have a longing to share what's on my mind. That's part of what Gottman calls like love maps. Like here's what's going on in my internal world. By sharing that, I'm increasing that intellectual connection, but that doesn't mean you have to be on the same page. It doesn't even mean I really want to debate about it. I just want to share this. Like, Hey, I read this. I loved it. It was important to me. I felt really inspired by it. Okay. And then my husband's like, if he knows that I'm not expecting him to like have to agree, he, he's just kind of like, okay, cool. And like, he goes back to his thing and I feel satisfied, you know? So it's, it's very much a personal responsibility thing um, where we're owning what we need. We're being vulnerable enough to ask for it, say what we need and get it in whatever form we need, you know, through friends, if we need it through our spouse, you know, put a lot of context about what you're needing up front, more, more context up front leads to less resentment, you know, later, if you don't, if they don't respond in the way that you want them to respond. Oh, this is so good. Like, I think, I think we need to get a lot more creative uh, around these things and, and a lot more open about what it even means to connect intellectually or spiritually. I think sometimes we think about these things very narrowly to our own detriment. And we don't, like I was talking to a client recently about sexual touch and like her definition of sexual touch was like like it was very 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 narrow and and when she could just open it up a little bit she could have so much more like like peace and confidence in the relationship so you know this this ties really nice into the next question and I think you've even already partially answered it Suzette is like what does connection even look like when we don't agree 
think basically how do we connect when we're on the same we're not on the same page maybe philosophically theoretically the like with church with doctrine with whatever parenting I think this can all come into play in a mixed faith marriage like how it does connection look like when there's not agreement and, and I'll start out here is I always like to say connection and agreement are not like mutual they don't have to exist at the same time they can be connected but they're not correlated like they're not causal and I think a lot of times that like agreeing on something like people think that that's the like Chris was saying this earlier like that is the hallmark or the definition of connection and I think it's very important to separate those and realize that there isn't a, like there's not a correlation there and that being able to like this is something Suzette and I talked about the other day being able to recognize individuals and you were talking about individuation and differentiation and this would probably be a great time where that would come into play like seeing things the same way, understanding things the same way, coming to the same conclusions, agreeing, like having the same ideologies, really separating that from the ability to connect and to enjoy connection, whether it's whatever type of connection, I think is probably one of the first important steps. I agree with that. I think when we are relying on agreement to feel connected, we're actually using people. We're using our spouse to validate who we are, what we think, right? Like if you agree with me, then my way of thinking is correct. And I can have, feel good about myself and the way I'm doing things is exactly how it should be. Right. So I think the key to being able to connect when you have different opinions is to not, to make sure you're not using each other, right? Like to validate yourself validation is not validation seeking needing validation is very disconnecting so it's more like uh acceptance like I feel this way and I can accept that because of my own reasons you feel this way and I can totally accept why you feel that way because it's for your own reasons you value different things and connection looks like how do we collaborate with both of those things how do we find some solutions how do we like work with that I think that's what connection is when you're different people like, okay, I accept that. I totally accept. I don't, I don't look down on you. Great. Now, how can we take these two different things and find a way to collaborate and find some common ground? Like that's when connection, that's like a more mature version of connection. I think an immature version of connection is I need you to validate me. I'm not going to be okay unless you can validate the way that I think and feel. Uh, okay. And I won't accept you until you accept me. I think this happens in a mixed faith marriage a lot with this, like, you know, I'm having what, so like classic faith transition. So now I'm having doubts and I need to bring these doubts to you. And you need to like, tell me that it's okay that I have these doubts and agree with me and walk this journey with me or the same, if you're like, I want to stay in the church and like, you need to agree with me and stay with mm -hmm. me on this. I think that is very much at play in a faith transition is where we hold, like we cling on to agreement because we conflate it with these other things in a relationship that are valuable. Like connection is one of the basic human needs we have. And, and when we conflate that with agreement, we get kind of crazy. Yeah, then we become totally, yeah. Then it's like, absolutely crazy is a good word. For it. I'll just leave it at that. Chris, did you want to say anything? Yeah, I, I think it's one of my favorite things to do. And I think I mentioned this earlier when I'm thinking he's so whatever he's, he's has some weird idea. I like to see how I do the same thing. And that takes a lot of 
emotional maturity to be like, okay, some, you know, I'll be like, wow, he's so judgmental. And then I'm like, hmm, interesting. I'm judging him <laughs> for his judgment and just like, okay, I do the same. I do it this way. It just looks a little bit different. So I think that's a big thing to ask how, how do I do the same thing? And like what Suzette was saying to when we do have a difference of opinion to just like, in my mind, I just actually say to myself, oh, that's so interesting. He sees it that way. And I see it this way and it, and I don't make it a problem, but once again, this idea that we need to be on the same page, we don't just like, oh, okay. Noted. We have different opinions. And I think that can, then you're not pulling, trying to make them see it your way. And I think a huge, I do think a huge part of why we struggle to connect without being on the same page is we don't have models of that in society. I mean, polarized and with our own family of origins, like not, that's a rare thing to have witnessed relationships of two different people who find ways to connect uh, like accepting each other's differences and find connection in those differences in the empathy and the like appreciation of those differences. And uh, cause those are hard things. And so mo I think a lot of people just don't have a model to follow. So when you think about that, how do we connect, even though we're on two different pages spiritually, like they just like, they don't, they don't have a model to follow, uh, which is understandable. That's such a good point. Okay. For honoring time we have one more question let's each give an answer and then we'll we'll call it good for now I really like this question what's a good balance of connection versus disconnection in your relationship let's just go Chris do that and then I'll give my thoughts and then we'll we'll say yay for today a good balance of connection um let me think about that come back to me we'll come back to you so that you I have an answer do you want me to go I, first? I know I will say so this is what the research shows that relationships are always a cycle of connection disconnection repair it's a constant cycle sometimes there's big connections disconnections repair sometimes there's little so as long as you are making that cycle where you feel connection you disconnect and you can get back to connection i think that's health that's that's good that's healthy if you only have connection you are missing the muscle building exercise of being able, being able to get back into connection and uh, that they've shown that it actually increases your confidence that when you do disconnect, like the more times you can do that circle over and over, then whenever you do disconnect, you have full confidence. Like, oh, we'll, we'll be fine. We can repair. We've done that. We repaired a million times. So I don't know that there's a right or wrong balance as long as you're able to go through that circle as, and, and feel confident that no matter how disconnected you are, you'll be able to get back. What I like to say is there's, there's not a right or a wrong answer here. Like, it's very similar to your Suzette. I'm like, Hey, there's not a right. Or, clients are always like, I want to do what's healthy. Like, is that healthy? Tell me what's healthy. And I'm like, well, let's just pump the brakes on this for a minute. <laughs> like there's not a right or a wrong answer here. Like every individual has a different value system. Every couple has a different value system. Every, like you have different minimum standards, different non-negotiable, different things that you don't care about, different things you care a great deal about. And I think like this idea of like, what's a good balance of connection and disconnection, the cycle is a brilliant way. But I think also like not being judgmental of ourselves when we're in the different parts of the cycle, not putting these harsh labels of like, well, this is unhealthy or this is bad, but really pausing and like taking a minute and maybe recognizing that there's a cycle and that's okay. 
recognizing that different people get to have different values and like, what are my values here? And what, like, what's the right thing for me? Like, this is an introspection. Um, this is an act of understanding yourself, self-development, self-awareness. This is an act of compassion. This is an act of let, like decreasing judgment over wherever you may be in that cycle. And I think sometimes when we're feeling connected, we're like, we've got it figured out. And sometimes when we're feeling disconnected, we think like we catastrophe. <laughs> and we're like this terrible down in the dumps. And I think just backing up and not putting the right and wrong label on so quickly and being so much more compassionate with ourselves, with our spouses, with our marriages is, is what I would say. Let's not label right or wrong, good or bad, healthy or unhealthy. Let's really back up and look at this like from a bigger perspective, from a value-based perspective, from a cyclical perspective. Chris, do you have any thoughts? I do. As soon as, um, so I think we have this idea that we should be connected all the time. Like if we had a pie chart, that it should just be connection, which is ridiculous. That's not in the, there, from the church lady point of view, there's opposition in all things. There's sometimes we're going to feel connected. Sometimes we're not. And I just, this, I love the, I like to say 50, 50 part of the time we're going to feel connected part of the time we're not. And those times when we're, if, if we can recognize like, it's okay to not feel connected sometimes then we don't make it such a big deal. If we can be less negative about the negative times, it creates more positive. And it's just like, okay, yeah, this is just part of the ebb and flow, that cycle of what's going on that sometimes we're going to feel connected and sometimes we're not. And that's okay. All right. Thank you guys. This was delightful, but I geek out over things like this. Obviously <laughs> enough of it. We will it's be doing for us, whether or not other people have a good we love it. Yeah. We have a good time. You know, we're all in mixed faith marriages. So like three marriages just improved today because of that. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Perfect. We're going to be doing this on a monthly-ish basis. So stay tuned, look for us to come back again and we'll choose another topic and we'll have a very similar, just as interesting, just as juicy, just as helpful conversation. <laughs> all right, see you ladies. Awesome. Thanks everyone. Bye.